Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. I'm your host, Nina. I'm your other host, Letha. And today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 5, Match Point. Um, we're halfway through. Yeah, halfway through. Okay. That was a muted, muted response. I feel like we were much muted. more excited about making it halfway through in the other seasons. It's true. I mean, but now that we have like, I don't know, like 80 episodes of Cobra Kai and Never Dies. We do not have, we do not have that many episodes. <laughs> I think we're about to hit our 40th episode, which will be very exciting. We can talk about how to celebrate that. Ooh, but yeah, that's our jubilee. We should get more cores. That's true. Or maybe we could celebrate in another way. Less disgusting way. Martini straight up like Daniel Maybe. Maybe. Oh, God. Um, Netflix synopsis. Johnny and Daniel's dojo and their fragile alliance teeter on the brink of collapse when they agree to a winner-takes-all sensei showdown. Um, yep, that is accurate. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the bulk of the episode. And it, yeah, really... This is an episode, like, unlike the previous one where we're like, wow, there's like 40 different storylines that intersect. This one's a little bit like... This is straightforward. Do you like that? Um, it makes it easier to probably do a podcast episode about, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, our last episode was like an hour. Yeah, um, like to really like, I don't know finesse if we everything. really got everything. Who right? Knows? This one, I, I have a feeling we can we can like sort of sum up faster than that. And Okay, so we've got like two sensei versus sensei conflicts. You want to start with like Daniel and Johnny or with Crease and Silver? I want to start with the opening scene. Well, that'll like, um, encompass both because... of them. That's good. It's so great. Um, it has one of the most direct, a lot of direct parallels to the third Karate Kid movie, where Silver just shows up in Daniel's backyard um, with Crease in tow. And I think I really noticed it this time, where it's like Crease is really fading into the background. Um, Dan, oh yeah, Silver controls the conversation. Yeah, so it's just Silver and Daniel kind of having it out. Um, Silver has some, like. He's just so smooth. He's yeah, like Silver a- is great in that, like, he's just like, my past behavior was inexcusable. And, like, you can see the other three senseis, like, they're just kind of, like, looking at him like, wait, you could, like, you can say shit like that? Like, you can basically just, like, you can just apologize act like and an move adult on. and smooth and he was it over? like, you know, if I could go back and undo it, I would. And I'm not that man anymore. I mean, I think he could also have been like... It was a cocaine, to be honest. I mean, I, I was hoping he would say, like, come <laughs> because, on, Daniel, we've all had a night, we've, like, done too many lines and nose candy. You can win a lot of goodwill by just being like... It was the cocaine. It was the cocaine, and I think Daniel would have been like, oh, I so get that's it. what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> that suddenly makes so much more sense, why you stuck down my chimney that time. Yeah. But we'll get to it later, but I don't know. I have doubts now whether it was the cocaine, because, you know, Silver says some things in this episode, which makes me think... Who is he on the inside? I mean, the problem, and I say problem loosely, I like Silver, I like Silver in this season, but, like, his characterization is kind of, like, he goes from, like, this guy who honestly, like, I really do truly believe that at the beginning of the season he was like, man, I, like, spent months, like, trying to torment a teenager. That was weird, right? But that's the kind of thing that, you know, hanging out with Cheyenne and and those other lamos. Will get you, you know, where like they're they look at his life and they're like, Look, that was a dark chapter, and now you're eating tofu skewers with us. And he doesn't look happy in that intro scene, you know, he looks a little medicated, staring out in the ocean. He doesn't look alive. Like, I felt like he was vibrant, you know, when he's in when he's on cocaine and tormenting a teenager, when he's in Daniel's backyard, kind of being like messing with his mind, right? Because there's like a bit of like. 
it's great. He's very smooth when he's like, you know, my behavior was inexcusable. You you almost buy it, but there's like a little bit of a smirk like behind his eyes. Oh yeah, right? definitely. Like, yeah, um, but that means that in the course of like five episodes, he's gone from genuinely being like, man, that that was fuck some fucked up shit, to being like, it was kind of fucked up, but you know. I also, mean, to be honest, I think it happened sooner than that, right? Because you, you Crease and Silver kind of reunite in that first episode, and that's where you see all the indecision. But like. By the start of the second episode, or like the second episode, you know, he's back in Crease's dojo, kind of like making but, amends. But until, and uh, no spoilers or anything, but until like the very end of this season, like he's operating in a very different frame from Crease, where like Crease is like a nut job and who's just kind of like strike first, bah! and like Terry Silver like, seems to spend more time living in the real world, at least the way he presents himself. Like, he knows, unlike everybody else, that, like, when you show up in your enemy's backyard, like, pretending to be a civilized human being is the best way to mess with them. And he also is, like... So, I guess we're getting into the tension between him and Kreese. Like, he basically, like, has... Like, the things that he says are, unlike everybody else's things, like, really logical and reasonable. Like, hey, beating up your opponents will not be... In between fights will not win you points in the tournament. Or, like, hey, guys, do not fight between the tournaments because we we agreed not to do that. I feel this is a bit of a retcon of Kreese's character because if you remember back to Season 2, the reason he was even able to get kind of Johnny to put aside his, like, mistrust was because he played it very cool. And then, mm-hmm. remember that scene when he was in front of the council, or the city council? And he, like... And he made everyone else look crazy. Right, and he referred to the, you know, the head of the council as the council person instead yeah, exactly. of councilwoman, and, and everybody like, was we like, were like, this fits Kreese. in with the idea of, like, Kreese being a mastermind and having, like, multiple skills and learning how to play, kind of play to the crowd to to effectively, like, get people on his side... And here in this episode, it's like, or in this season, really, what we've seen so far is because they're kind of nudging Silver into that role. Yeah. And Kreese is sort of like... Left adrift. Back back on his bullshit in the way that it reminds me of, like, the diner scene when he first comes back, um, like, in early season two, and he's talking to Johnny, and he's talking exclusively in Cobra metaphors. Oh, yeah. And it's like, okay, this guy is off the res. Right. Like, completely... You know, and he had, you know, I feel like maybe they're both sides to Kreese's personality were like... But it's super strange in that, like, he was the guy who managed to, like, you know, when Amanda tried to get a, like, tried to, like, get a restraining order placed on him, he managed to, like, smoothly turn it around so that, like, now she has a restraining maybe order placed on him. Maybe he's only smooth her. around Amanda. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like... <laughs> trying to make that happen, There's I see. no apples anymore, but... but yeah, yeah, it's strange. It's, it's confusing. I mean, I like the idea of, like, this, like tension between Crease and Silver, but you're right. It means that you kind of have to retcon who Crease is, and that, like, Silver, you're like, who who is he exactly? He seems like a smooth, like, real politique kind of guy, but, like, it's super odd, like, when Crease is, like, looking back judgmentally when he's talking to, like, the students of Cobra Kai, and, like, I was honestly, like, why is Crease so perturbed? All Like, I don't think he says anything except, like, you know, put all your rage into the tournament. That seems like good Cobra Kai advice. I don't know. It, it I don't does. Know. I think that what they're saying is there's some kind of like parallel to be made between the Kree Silver pairing and Daniel and Johnny, where one of these one person in the pair is kind of operating from a place of emotion and is not really doesn't really care about the All Valley. It's about what karate means to them and their relationships. And I think they're saying this season it's Kreese. 
And then, you know, maybe, you know, with the Daniel Johnny thing, I'm, I'm curious what you think, but like who is kind of obsessed with winning the tournament and who just kind of wants, I, I would say Johnny is kind of more rooted in that emotion. Um, I he, actually think that, well, I think both Johnny and Daniel have like, there's like an emotional element to what they're doing in a way that, like, yeah, like, to me, Silver's the only one who's, like, approaching this sort of, like, from, like, a like a place where it's, like, well, we're go- what we're going to do is we're going to win this tournament, and we're going to do it by, like, training our students up, and when we do it, that will cause Miyagi-Do and Eagle Fang to disband, and we will have achieved our goal. Like, he's, like, kind of really, like, the only person thinking about it in this very, like, logical A to B way, and, like, everybody else is quite emotional about it, and I think that's true of both, like, Johnny and Daniel. What's strange is because this kind of movie, kind of, like, uh, we we see a lot of Rocky parallels in this, not just with the montages, but I think what they're saying about Rocky is, like, you need heart, right? You can't just be this, like, effective machine training and learning how to beat your opponent. You kind of have to, like, be grounded and in, like, some sort of broader truth and honor your relationships and whatnot. So it's, like, I wonder, no spoilies for the end, but you, it's, like... Are you, you trying to say that Ivan Drago didn't have heart? I mean, I think Drake... Ivan Drago He's beat all with heart. The- He's all yeah. hard. I will defend him to the death. But, you didn't, know... It didn't sound like you were defending him to the death. But they literally have two training montages. Like, burning heart. It's like, you know, when, when Rocky gets Adrian back in his corner and he makes up with her, that's when he's able to sort of, like, scale the mountain. And Guys, watch that movie. It's, it's, it's a perfect movie. And I love... This review okay. will not make any sense to you until you've seen Rocky. I know, four, maybe I would not, say. but um, I mean, I, I just, yeah. I mean, going back to our crease and silver analysis, I do think that the the silver that we, or so the crease we saw in season two, doesn't really bear too much of a resemblance to this crease, who's just like more like. Right he's first. more like a hundred percent cobra metaphor, and not the kind of like he's not the sneaky snake that he was before. Yeah, he's just the attacking like, viper. It was more if like you will. 60, 40, you know? Yeah, like, and city council crease, crease with the invoices in the dojo. That crease, I don't no, know. No, no, like been. Terry Silver's basically adopted those personality traits, like of this the sneakiness, and like also maybe like the tight, like just that he operates in the world like. Like, more like an adult, I guess, than anybody else. And that's interesting. But, like like I said, like, that kind of changes as the season progresses. So it's a little bit like, what is going on with that dude? What kind of meds is he on right now? <laughs> um, but they do, like, they hash things out over, like, an expensive meal at a restaurant. Um, and, you know, like, I like that, again, Crease operate, Crease is operating in that crazy spot. And Silver's the voice of reason, which, all right, whatever. And he's basically just like, you know, like, Kreese is, like, calling him on it and saying, like, we have to strike at our enemies first. And, you know, Silver's like, we stole Johnny Lawrence's son. I'd call that striking first. And now you've already wrapped up. Did they, up. though? I mean, I guess they took him into the dojo, but... He sleeps I think in the saying, back. I don't know. But I think they're saying... Ro- I thought they were saying Robbie doesn't have any real loyalties. I mean, I guess he's affiliated with Cobra Kai now. Yeah. And, like, I guess they're, like, call that... Like, maybe maybe Silver's just like, dude, like, look, you already did, like, this amazing, cool blow of stealing, like, your enemy's son. Can we just focus on the goddamn tournament now? <laughs> I feel like he's just trying to throw him a bone there and then just, like... And stop getting everybody else involved in your old man drama, which yeah, I thought was hilarious. It's interesting because, you know, you saw all those tender flashbacks of them getting tattoos. And here it's like they're not even having fun. They're just in this restaurant and Silver's ordering like the most expensive bottle of scotch. 
And Kreese just looks like out of place. He's just like, he looks at Silver like a business partner, but there's none of that kind of fondness, like old nom buddies. I mean, I think that Kreese, again, Kreese's characterization has been so all over the place over the past few seasons. I don't know if I can even like make a statement like this, but like, it seems like he feels that like Silver's like kind of stealing his thunder. Like, he asked Silver to come on board, but ultimately Silver seems to be, like, taking the reins. Yeah, and he he's doesn't upsetting like that. the dynamic that was set 30 years ago, where Kreese saved his life. Kreese is the one that brought him in to, like, the Cobra Kai dynasty. And Silver was, you know, was like, hey, man, thanks for getting me out of my gorgeous, gorgeous condo in Santa Barbara or whatever. I was living a lot. And it's like... Dude, Silver, you can still be a rich guy and do whatever it is that you want. But I guess they're saying owning a bunch of Cobra Kai dojo chains is the key to happiness for him. In which case, I'm like, why do you even need Crease? You Get really don't Mike need Barnes. Crease. Go look up Mike Barnes, and and that dude was all business. And I'm sure you could get the trademark to Cobra Kai through some little loophole. You could buy loophole. it with that Dynatox money. <laughs> Which, speaking of Dynatox, I want to just say that uh, we'll talk about the teens, but Dimitri did a little like internet research into Silver and referenced how there was some like Dynatox incident in, in Borneo. Borneo. Okay, guys, I mean, we need to get a murder board on the map because I just we have so. Little information about Dynatox. And, and what yet they... it seems to be the center of everything. I hope season seven really explores the vast conspiracy with Dynatox. I don't want to wait till season seven. I want it in the next season. <laughs> I want an entire episode. All of Dynatox Bor- all the time. Come <laughs> on, guys. What happened in Borneo? Some we'll bad shit. Bad shit. Um, yeah, but anyway, what did you think of this restaurant scene? Kind of like... Again, I was just like... It's so confusing to me, like, what Kreese is upset about. Like, seriously, it's not like... It's not like Silver said something like, Guys, actually, striking first is really bad for you, and you should just play defense and, you know, try to, like, make friends with you. He does not say a damn thing like that. He just says, like, we made this agreement, we need to win, channel your rage into your training. Okay, I mean, it's not an exact parallel, but I think it's supposed to say, like, Daniel and Johnny are more or less fighting for the same thing, and yet they're letting their kind of, like, petty jockeying for power Mm -hmm. over the dojo students. It's like an ego trip. Yeah, definitely. So, and I actually think that would work as a parallel, but I don't think Silver is involved. Like, none of his emotions are involved. I don't know what Silver cares about. It's hard to figure out what Silver cares about. Yeah. Except winning at the All-Valley. Because, I mean, if you think back to Karate Kid Part 3, the only time we really saw that man show... Okay, he was he was emotionally all over the place. But, I mean, if you look at him in the All-Valley Tournament where it's his red turtleneck and, like, weird blazer, he's just, like, his eyes are just trained on the fight, you know? But, like, the weird thing, and I think you're right, but if I recall, in Karate Kid 3, the whole reason he gets involved with all of that nonsense is that he's like, my buddy John Kreese asked for my help. Well, hell, I'm going to, like, take a leave of absence from my CEO ship I'm going to go in full scheming mode. I'm going to like do eight lines of cocaine a day. You know, it's like that. It seemed like his main motivation is just like, I'm an agent of chaos and I'm here for John Kreese. And now he's like, at least right now, he's not an agent of chaos. He is here for John Kreese. But like the thing that Kreese, I have no idea what Kreese wants. At least maybe it's just like Silver's trying to make sense of what Kreese wants. And it's like, all right, let's like win this tournament and let's focus on that. 
But, like, I don't know if, like, there's an inherent part of his character that's really obsessed with winning tournaments, right? I'm going to make a statement here that I think is true. I think Silver is the only one that loves karate. Whoa. He actually loves karate. Maybe he got into this whole, all these shenanigans on cocaine out of, like, loyalty to Crease. But when he was there, he realized he actually does love karate. He does seem to spend more time teaching karate than the others do. When you saw him lead the class... I was like, this looks like a real karate class. It bears no resemblance <laughs> to a crease-run karate class. Or a Daniel or he, a Johnny class. He's like, focus on your training, you know, do your exercises. And I was like, this guy actually loves karate. And that's why he cares about the tournament. Because it's like a natural extension of training your students. He's the only one in this entire show. You know, I would actually really like it if your interpretation was true. I feel like it's it's... Probably not in the sense that I think it's just a case of like kind of weak characterization, but it would be awesome if it was just like, you know who the real like good karate teacher is? This hey, guy. I listened to a Thomas Ian Griffith interview and he mentioned that he used to teach Taekwondo in the 90s in like Hollywood. And I'm just like, man, why bro, couldn't I be in that where class? Where were we? <laughs> we could have been in a silver run class, oh, Lepa. If only. God. Anyway, I digress. Um, any other kind of pre-silver points i think i think we can get to the daniel and johnny stuff except if you know this kind of leads in there like you can definitely see in there in that first scene when there's like a like a sensei versus sensei senseis versus senseis confrontation like you can see how rattled daniel is like to see silver and like yeah that was good to see and i think I love Johnny's kind of befuddlement because if you remember from the season one when he's like... He doesn't know Terry Silver. Yeah, he yeah. has no idea who Terry Silver is. Um, and what a world that is. He's about to learn. But, you know, he's just like, who is this, like, smooth guy? Yeah. Oh, and um, he has, like, a little moment where, like, you know, mainly the thing is between Silver and Daniel. Daniel reliving some pretty traumatic memories and Silver trying to smooth it all over. But there's a little thing where... This is, again, finally Kreese, like, this is the only part where he displays, like, his his cunning, where, like, he pulls Johnny aside, and he's like, oh, so you're, like, second fiddle, like, sidekick to LaRusso? Yeah. Mm. You know, like, trying to sow some dissension there, which I was like, okay, good good for you, Kreese. You still got a mind that works. That's fine. I mean, he has a point. The sign does say Miyagi-Do. I mean, but, I hate to say this, but, like, it, it, Miyagi does, or, sorry, Daniel does own it, you know? I just feel like as a gesture, he should have added the thing. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into this, but I mean, it's just made clear for me in this episode how little Daniel respects Johnny, oh, even yeah. though it's clear that he, you could tell he has taken some of Cobra Kai's lessons. Like, mm-hmm. he's definitely more aggressive, etc. So let's talk about that they're in the bar slinging back drinks and Daniel's oh, telling in Johnny about Terry Silver. It calls is, him a psychopath. It is so perfect. Everything about the scene is like, perfection especially like you know you cut to daniel like finishing up the long and twisted saga of him and terry silver and then you know johnny's response is wait 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 so you're telling me a year after our fight (laughs) they put you straight through to the finals and you didn't have to like compete against anybody that's bullshit which you know what good point yeah daniel has been coasting on his subpar karate skills for so long right and so long that he believes his own bullshit and having people from the past that actually saw him fight, Miyagi's dead. Can't can't even come back to be like, Daniel, you sucked at karate. <laughs> but guess what? Guess what, guys? Kreese is there. Silver's there. Johnny's there. And they're all like, you were really terrible. And you never got any better. <laughs> so, I mean, Johnny, 
I feel like he's on the defensive because it's like he's being gaslit. Like, you know, everyone, he sees what's right in front of his eyes where he's like, you're not that great at karate and you kind of want on a technicality and you actually think you're a better fighter than me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely you're, nuts. you're not wrong in that, like, Daniel's gotten to coast a lot on that one victory where it's like, yeah, he did get put straight through the finals without having to prove himself against a new batch of karate I'll people say it, and all Daniel that. Daniel has karate privilege. Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's right. This is very O'Courant. Karate <laughs> privilege. You win one match and then what? Like, your children's children can win all their yeah, matches? Yeah, and Bullshit. Sam is just what? grandmothered in to the the (laughs) dojo dynasty fuck that i mean it definitely is like nice to hear um johnny be like wait you really think that because you got one you won one match against me with one kick that that somehow just makes you the better fighter for for the rest of your life and we we lead up to that in that this is like this is kind of the meat of the whole conflict where Daniel's rattled by Silver, and it's just like, we gotta win this tournament no matter what. Which, again, I don't understand, like, why the stakes have changed. That was all, those were always the stakes, but okay, I get it. Silver's messing with his head. And he's like, in order to win, it's gotta be Miyagi-Do. Miyagi-Do's just better. Miyagi-Do beat Silver the last time around. Um, it, you know, and sorry, Johnny, but your I'll stupid style is again. I could not crystallize Miyagi-Do's actual karate lessons if there was a gun to my head. I've heard balance. I've heard wheel technique. I've heard Anything defense. Else? They're big on defense. Okay. So that's that's it. Like, you can't... That does not a, a dojo make. You know what I mean? Like... Whoa. You're undermining the very underpinnings of... I'm going for those underpinnings. I mean, I always kind of thought that the Miyagi-Do thing was about tricking people into doing karate by having them paint fences, but uh, I guess it's also about I mean, I'd respect stuff. Daniel more if it was about that. Yeah, I, feel like, I like that I as a school I honestly feel like that was Miyagi's thing. Miyagi was an old man, kind of low energy levels. Miyagi some, was a giant troll, and it seems like a thing that he would make done yeah. around the house, didn't want to pay a lot of money for it, and then here comes Daniel, and you know... Could he have foreseen that Daniel would become his stalker and stalk him to Okinawa? No way. Could he have foreseen that Daniel would basically form a religion out of like what were probably a ways to like punk a teenager that Miyagi Miga- came up Miyagi's with? Miyagi's not know. around to sort of see what he's created. Right? Oh, what has he wrought? Because, yeah, what I like, I what I do like about this episode and the season in general is that like in seasons two and three, like we always were like Daniel's being pretty insufferable right now. Like we could always see it. But, like, somehow it was, like, the show, because, like, Kreese turned out to be, like, uh, like a big villain, and because of this and that and the other thing, it always seemed like the show was proving Daniel right. Like, yeah. maybe Miyagi-Do is the way to go. Um, and I like that this season is finally digging into, like, no, the reason why Daniel's the worst is because it's not that he's a bad guy. He's just so convinced of his own rightness. He's so convinced that, like, he, like Miyagi-Do is the best way and the only way. And then, like... You know, at the sorry, sorry to jump forward, but when they do have their fight at the end of the episode, and like Johnny's he, side. Yeah. yeah, he fights dirty against Johnny, and Johnny calls him on. And he's like, "I'm not the one who fights dirty," as if like because I am Daniel Larusso, I cannot fight dirty. That cannot happen. Yeah, and it's there's just so much to say yeah. about this. So I want to kind of maybe we can touch back. So oh, sorry, um, they're ba- they're back in the bar. Um, yeah, they're back in the bar. <laughs> they really get into it, and I I really love. I mean, Johnny's just dropping truth bombs, to be honest. Yeah, like, it's pretty I can't, great. You can't, like... And, you know, Daniel's never been more smug. Um, I guess he gets more smug towards the end of the episode. But it's just, like, I feel like he's learned nothing from three seasons. 
Right. You know? I mean, and you've seen a real evolution with Johnny's character. This is he's true. He's grown so wide. It's like, we know, we know Johnny's faults from the get-go. It's like, it's a little harder, like, you know, we know exactly what's wrong with Johnny from episode one of this entire show. It takes a little time to, like, figure out, like, what Daniel LaRusso's problem is, and I feel like this is his, this is gonna be his arc. Like, this is his season to finally grow as a character, because he was insufferable even in season one, but... The universe always seemed to prove him right, and now it's finally like yeah, because you the see, like you know, Johnny for all his flaws, like he's kind of triggered by Daniel, and he'll he'll sometimes fall into like a Coors, you know, bender and and go on a Twitter rant, as we see, which yeah. is a great Twitter rant. Um, but I think he like bounces back, like the he's not the Johnny of he's, season one. He's able to see when he's wrong. He yeah. can see when he's fucked up. Daniel has not had that come to Jesus moment. That wait, go deep cut. Well, not deep cut, but way, like, blast from the past. Johnny had his come-to-Jesus moment when Miguel turned Darth Miguel in the season finale of season one and was like, I think I fucked up with what, like, I can't just take this, like, no mercy thing to the ends of the earth. This is what happens. Daniel's never had a moment where he had to be like, I think I fucked up. Like, he's always, it feels like the universe has always rewarded him for being, like, smug. And believing that he's always, like, the victim and right. So, uh, you know, this is... I, I actually was, like, really excited to see this turn in the show where it's like, can you check out this asshole, right? Yeah, and I think also we get kind of the the more fun, uh, less heavy aspects of this episode is those training montages. Oh, so good. Um, so Johnny has an excellent one set to Burning Heart, again, from the Rocky Four soundtrack. Um, and he's at the beach, and he's, like, heckling some skater. I just... There's so much comedic material to be oh, mined it's so from good. Johnny. Um, I could have watched like 12 minutes I of mean, this. I mean, it ends with like an eagle flying yeah, overhead. Yeah, pitch perfect. He's like reliving past humiliations. Like, so there's flashbacks cut in with this Rocky Four montage thing. And like, it's very good. Um, and it's also like perfectly like set up because before you have this scene, you have like Daniel all hungover um, and basically just like being like, oh, it was all just such a crazy mistake. I'm sure da- I'm sure Johnny's not even taking it seriously. And then bam, you see the, te- the tape going into like the cassette player for Johnny's rock and mix. And the thing and, is, yeah. you know, you, you think it's like a classic thing where Johnny's kind of like reactive and, and like immediately training and Daniel's going to be the bigger person. And, but he never does send that text that's like, hey pullback he's like hey no mercy kind of thing like i right he's like not going to apologize he was gonna say something like sorry things got out of hand last night and then he's like no don't apologize that's weakness which is like interesting a little little bit of a turn for daniel and he also has an interaction with samantha that is probably like my one of my favorite samantha scenes and definitely my favorite daniel list i know (laughs) it's not a long list guys but like it's I like it's just like how like when she was like talking to Johnny, it's like I never liked her more. Like seriously, it's so good to see someone call Daniel on a shit, and also someone that's not Johnny, like someone where he can't just like be like eh, they're an asshole. Yeah, if Samantha like does something well, it's kind of bratty, angry teenager. Yeah, um, and I don't think they let her do that in season one. So it just kind of was like... Because they're trying to make her seem like she's a nice girl. Yeah, and you she's instantly forgettable that way. Mm-hmm. But it's like okay, she's. Maybe not the strongest actress, but if she can play one note, it's kind of annoyed teenager. Yeah, definitely. Um, And she's got kind of like some simmering anger. Like, you can just tell she's not in the kind of same... She's not like revering her father the same way. It's not one of those painful-ass scenes where like she and Daniel are on a boat and he's like exchanging profundities with her. Yeah, we're a long ways from that. Yeah, she doesn't want to be on that boat anymore. Um, She's just like... 
hey, uh, I'm, well, first of all, like, I love that she shows up at home in the middle of the day and, like, Daniel's like, what? what? Why are you here? And she's like, I pulled the cramps card. I'm here. Why are you here? Shouldn't you be at work? Uh, no one talks about how Daniel's never at work. Right. He's like, like, no, I'm hungover after, like, you know, challenging my karate rival to a fight. Um, and yeah. I love that, like, he's just like, y- you know, she's just like, yeah, well, I guess you're going to have to find a way to, like, run away from this one because that's apparently, like, our philosophy. And, <laughs> yeah, he's, like, so aggrieved that she, like, sees this. I think this is where it's like, yeah, he really was fucked up by Silver because he was like, it was only through Miyagi's teachings that I was, like, able to snap out of the lure of Cobra Kai. And it's like, you know what? Just because it's kind of like those, um, I don't know, uh, newborn atheists, I guess, that had, like, maybe some sort of really intense evangelical upbringing and like they're like yeah you know fuck god and it's like chill you know that it's fine or it's y- you were traumatized i get it but like it's okay I, yeah. it's just karate guys it's a narrative that like he is built in the same way as like a, a born again atheist or whatever like like daniel has sort of built this interesting narrative around his own life around miyagi around like how he was lured into like He's silver's built a dojo, straw dojo. I mean, I mean, sure, Silver was a total psychopath in many, many different ways, but I have to say, Daniel, I guess you don't remember Karate Kid 3 as well as I do, but Miyagi, who I love, was kind of a dick to you. Like, Miyagi refused to <laughs> train true. you when you had, like, no choice but to fight. He just didn't want to train you because why? I, he was like, no, I don't train, train, I don't teach you karate for tournaments, only self-defense. But like, there's this point when like Mike Barnes is like leaving him like dangling off the edge of a cliff. Season 10 of the show will relitigate Miyagi's memory in full. I mean, I and think the it fact that he was to. extremely reluctant. If there was anything that we could take out that wasn't just pure like As, mayhem in Karate Kid 3, it was just like, is Miyagi a good teacher? I mean, it's like Miyagi can be a good teacher, but that was just sort of like, wow, Miyagi, that was kind of a piece of shit thing to do to Daniel. Like, when he really, truly needed you through no fault of his own, you were just like, eh. And then finally, like, after... The only reason he went to train with Silver is because Miyagi refused to train him for no reason. And, like, it's not like he wanted to enter the tournament out of glory. Like, he was forced to enter it. He, like, he basically had to sign, like, the entry form under, like duress of death okay i mean this is jumping ahead but you know we've talked about daniel's narrative arc and the fact that they're finally starting to engage with it instead of him just being this like really wise wealthy dude um everything's fine and johnny's the one on the redemptive arc we hinted that you know it would really be his relationship with sam kind of falling apart Mm -hmm. to push him that way but also the fact that miyagi failed him in some sense yeah i think like he's held up miyagi on this pedestal and if both of those things fall away he has never had an honest reckoning with like miyagi not being a perfect person and that's part of his having an affair with crease oh yeah no all of these things it's a rich tapestry but (laughs) all of these things i think could lead to growth and like to a show writer come on there's like so much material here oh man yeah like so that yeah, I hadn't thought that we'd go into this detour about the Daniel Miyagi relationship, but, but I mean, suddenly, he's talking. Yeah, to, he's you know Daniel is you know the much worse training montage, but yeah, he's he's talking to Miyagi's photo and he's listing all these reasons why he's getting involved and doing it this way, and he's like, "This is for my daughter's honor," and you know, his ideas are dangerous. His ideas are dangerous, and I, I just thought, please, Daniel. And he said, you know. If I'm wrong about this, I hope you forgive me. And once again, Miyagi's dead. Miyagi doesn't get the chance to be like, Daniel, you're being an asshat. Yes. His ideas are dangerous. Again. A very, like, that's like a very anti-First Amendment argument. Um, and I don't know if there's a stand-in for a living Miyagi. 
that you know Daniel would respect. If so, if that person was able to say you're going down the wrong path, you know, maybe Daniel would have sort of an about face, but yeah. But unlike Johnny, who has like his living mentor there to like contend with, Daniel's is only in his head. So it, yeah, it keeps yeah, him from really confronting some Yeah, that actually makes sense about why he's not able to sort of uh, remake himself or like come to grips Come to with grips the with past. the past, yeah. yeah. Okay, we went real deep, guys. We did. Uh, <laughs> way to go from here. Um, so we should mention that, like, because Sam gets a scene with Daniel. Um, Miguel get, what's, gets a little quick one with, with Johnny. I mean, basically, both kids are saying the same thing, that they want to learn both styles. They don't want um, this grudge match between the two, which is... Did we mention this? The whole stakes of this grudge match are that, like, depending on who wins, like, that person will just not teach their style anymore. So, like, the dojo will just be Eagle Fang, or it'll just be Miyagi-Do. And, you know... Sam and, and Miguel, like, kind of correctly point out that, like, what, what's the point of that? The entire point was that they were, like, Again, combining styles. Like, uh, Miguel is very, like, Desmond Tutu. You know, he just wants to, like... I feel like he's already moved on from karate and dojo. Yeah. So, like, he's just kind of not... It was, it was a strange scene for me because Sam's is filled with, like, bratty teenage energy. But Miguel's almost, like, you know, like, when Johnny, like, insists, like, no, we gotta fight. We gotta do this. He's just like, okay, sensei. Well, good luck. And it's just like, he seems so checked out. It made me sad. It doesn't make me sad because you could see Johnny is kind of like, this whole season you'll see he's just coming to grips with sort of losing Miguel. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it changes a bit like in um, subsequent episodes, but like up until now, it just kind of seemed like Miguel was a bit like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And that made me sad because it's like, obviously their bond is is like a huge thing in the show and everything. But yeah, he, he gets some moments with Johnny later that change things. Um, before we get to the kind of like final fight scene, I, I wanted to note that we see Louis and Anoush and yeah. they're delightful, but they also seem to have no confidence that Daniel can win this, I know, I right? love that. I love that. <laughs> they're just like, you don't want to do this, boss. Like, Daniel, Daniel, you don't understand. Like, Johnny is a strong dude and it's like, yeah, it's Daniel great. goes, what happened? Terry Silver happened. Which is, I want that on a shirt. <laughs> I will make that shirt for you. <laughs> You can look forward to that on, like, your next birthday, maybe for Christmas, too. Before Terry Silver, after Terry Silver. Um, okay, so let's kind of... Should we get into the teens? Because I think, like, we should do the teens yeah. and then... Okay. Um, so, just some throwaway notes. It is very weird to get a scene of Yasmin and, and Dimitri because I keep forgetting Yasmin is on the show... I could have just, you know, from her power wedgie moment, that should have been it. Yeah. We should have never seen her again. I didn't, I understand that this show is about redemption and that it's about that, like, everyone is sometimes the bully and sometimes the victim. I get that. But I don't think that we needed a Yasmin redemption arc, especially because instead of a redemption arc, we get, like, a moment where she sticks up for Dimitri and the next thing we know they're dating. And it's just like... Ugh. You didn't need to make that happen. And that, and that um, relationship, I'm just like, I don't understand. You know, I can kind of vaguely buy sure that, like, Yasmin was overcome with some attraction to him. And, like, they had, like, a secret, like, make-out thing going on. But now she seems to be his girlfriend and really proud about it in public. And, like, what happened? What changed? Um, their interaction is horrific to watch. Like, I was yeah. just so embarrassed. It was, like, Robbie Sam season two level... 
like nausea for me. Yeah. And I don't need to see that ever again. No, that was that was rough. She squeezes his ass at the end of their conversation. I looked away from the TV. Oh, oh yeah, like the, I guess the plot point there, which isn't really that important, is that <laughs> she's going to miss prom and the tournament because she's going to be in Sydney, which, okay. I've already flushed that down the wormhole, guys. Yeah. So if it comes up again and I have no idea what they're talking uh. about, that's why. I mean, the uh, the other thing you get is, like, a beat where, like, Hawk and Moon are there, too, and they're, like, you know, just making a little conversation. Like, she's complimenting his new purple mohawk, which is very fetching. I like the purple, too. Maybe this is just a commentary on how shallow high school relationships are, but I honestly cannot stand the screen time, because it's, like, I mean, I love drama and, you know, that kind of thing, and I think, like, when they, they had the scenes with Johnny and Allie, like, reconnecting, and it's, like... Maybe because we're adults and it's like, okay, this seems like a real adult relationship. I don't know. what We never dated in high school. So it's like, what the fuck do you talk about? And if this is what you guys talk I about, mean, especially, I am fine fast-forwarding through this. Especially what do Yasmin and Dimitri talk wanna, about? I don't want to know a single thing What could thing they Yasmin possibly has. talk about? I Yasmin's just, thoughts on world peace, <laughs> nuclear disarmament. It's, um, it is so bizarre to me. Um... See, Moon, I've always just liked, because, like, Moon is a distinctive character. Like, she's kind of like, you know, she's like a new-agey, peacenik weirdo. And, like, I like I like that. I don't mind, like, seeing her and Hawk talking, because, you know, this is, like, just, this is giving it, like, way more time than I really should. But, like, the thing that I dislike about, like, Yasmin and Dimitri is that, like, it makes no sense. He has, He says something like, oh, I managed to get her by being myself. This show is pretty honest about teen relations and bullying and stuff. Like, no, I'm sorry. It's not. It's, it's not. really not. Now, the way that Hawk got Moon originally was that, like, his mohawk he got, got... muscles! He got muscles, and his mohawk gave him, like, swagger and confidence that she liked. And then, but she didn't like him becoming a bully, so she dumped him. That, to me, checks out. All of that. Yeah, and he probably likes her for her looks, because it doesn't seem like he's terribly interested in chakras. And you know what? It's a, it's a shallow high school relationship. But it, it strikes me as real. It's like, real, it's a fine. real... I absolutely buy this as a high school relationship. Dimitri and Yasmin is just like, come on. No. No. There's wish fulfillment and then there's that, you know? Yeah. And that's too much. Um, <laughs> Sorry. We get a straight ten minutes right. like, on Yasmin, but it had to be said. It had to be said. Um, okay, so let's get to this. Um, the fight? No, sorry. We need to get talk about um, them getting revenge on Hawk. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, that is a good scene in the sense that, like, he's getting tattooed. I, I guess he keeps getting his eagle, like, made fancier. I have no idea. Um, or his hawk, sorry. He's an eagle fang, but he has a hawk tattoo. And, like, while he's, like, lying face down on the tattoo table, like, the Cobra Kai sneak in, presumably after having killed the tattoo parlor owner. I don't know. I guess. I, I would guess that Kyler did that. Yeah, yeah. No, Kyler's already murdered several people, I'm sure. And they, they come in... It is a great scene in that it's, like, it's so scary. Like, Hawk is trying to fight really all of them is. off. Yeah, and, then, and uh, I thought, like, it's five against one, which is kind of, again, pure Kyler, right? Because mm-hmm. we saw that parking lot scene in season one against Miguel. And it's, like, this this is, like, a very low blow. And actually what I found pretty chilling is that Robbie's just kind of coolly standing by. Yep. And, like, it's kind of his pocket knife. Yep, they get, like, a... They they basically like wrap a towel around like Hawk's neck and they're like pulling him back and then it's a knife. I'm not sure if it was, it's his knife or it's like a knife that was in the tattoo parlor or whatever. But he's like 
opening it up and like stroking it and then you're like what the fuck is he gonna yeah, do this is like a new facet like i guess we were team robbie now i'm just like is this sociopath robbie I really don't understand. Does everyone have to become a sociopath for a little time when they start learning maybe karate? This is maybe. Like, yeah, maybe um, this is just what teenagers go through. But I will say, like, what they end up doing is they, they end up, like, shaving his mohawk. And then, like, the last scene is actually him walking in with, like, the shorn mohawk. I thought this was absolutely perfect because it's like, okay... You know, like, in the previous episode when the Cobra Kais are, like, absolutely, like, humiliated because, like, they got wet? You On know? a spot they could have moved on. Right. Like, and really it's easily. like, guys, no, I'm sorry. They're, like, And then, like, even in this episode, they're complaining that, like, they were humiliated by Eagle Doe. And it's just like, no, you weren't. Like, so, so and then, like, you have other things, like, where, like, in the previous episode, like, Tori looks absolutely, like devastated that I don't know like Sam's making fun of her while she's doing her princess job and it's like guys you went at each other with nunchucks in the previous season and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think the show sometimes has trouble calibrating like what is devastating for a teenager versus what is being like sprayed with water versus like breaking someone's arm breaking someone's arm yeah or like doing like something that's like fucking like a crime and they finally found it. It's short, it's shorting somebody's symbolic mohawk. That's the kind of thing that's like very painful for a character like Hawk, but is also not an act of like criminal yeah, I intent. I wonder if like there's teenagers watching this show that that are kind of appalled at the way I guess the millennial show writers <laughs> think of teenagers. Like we only see them as either sociopaths or like these young kids, you know, searching just for... just trying to get each other wet, you right. know, and it's like, yeah, like fi- I, I was just like very like good job show for finally being like, yeah, this is exactly like the kind of thing that would be like really awful teenage revenge. And he looks so vulnerable. He looks so um, vulnerable without yeah. his mohawk, and we know what his mohawk means to him. So right. it's like, it's um, a good moment. And I guess it plays off after the fight, which we we can now talk about. We can now yeah. finally, finally, the I final mean, fight. We have to mention, I'm sure anybody who ever talks about this would mention that Johnny does tweet about the fight. That is how word gets out. Yeah, Johnny and technology, just a lovely... Oh, it's I the gift it. that keeps on giving. And we found out that Miguel is his only follower, which is very adorable. Not even Carmen follows him. No. Because she understands that, you know, he'd only be tweeting about either Karate or Miguel. Yeah, she's like, I, I get enough of that at home, it's fine. But, <laughs> yeah, so there's great things where it's just like, one, you're kind of uh, astonished that he knows how to tweet... Two, we pause so we could like really like look at the screen, and he really does say things like hash brown, like great fight and stuff like that. And hello, is this thing working? Because of course his own follower, only follower is Miguel. What does he think he's doing? I don't know, but I love that Johnny's knowledge of Twitter is about like on par with mine. That's always yeah. that's always been a nice source of humor. Um, so this fight. Um, so Johnny. What I love about the the kind of intro part is like we've had the training montages, we've had the scenes, kind of Miguel kind of telling Johnny, I don't know if this is such a great idea, and Sam talking to Daniel about, you know... Being a pussy, basically. Exactly. And I love that Johnny, as he walks up to the fight with Daniel, he, I feel like he's, he was willing to kind of stop it. Like, just be like, oh, I don't think we need to do this. Um, and then he has this, and he looks at, he gives this look at Daniel, and it's like kind of contempt because he's like, You don't think you're ever wrong. Like, yeah. has there been a single moment where, you, and, and you can tell, like, Daniel is just like in his. Yep, he's in his Daniel headspace. He's never wrong. 
And he's going to win this with the and power of virtue. And that's the only reason that Johnny goes through with it, I think. I could buy that, yeah. It's just... I, I think that, like, there's a moment when Johnny's like, wait, is this what we want to do? But, like, there's never that moment with Daniel. Not exactly, because it's like... He just thinks he's right about everything all the time. And that is so annoying. It is so annoying. Thank you, show, for, like, really, like, recognizing this and leaning into it. um, And I think... uh, I think we're meant to find it uh, annoying. Yeah. So, other things about this fight. Penis Brad steps up as the announcer. He's great, man. I know. And hire him for for my fights. He's like, I'm not really going to get any kind of one-on-one sensei time, so I may as well just be the MC for this fight. That works. Um, Johnny scores the first point. Um... I feel like it's like we so rarely get to see um, characters do karate that it's like just a delight. It's always a treat. Yeah, and he's so great. And Daniel, there's already, I don't know if they forced Ralph Macchio to train for this because he's, <laughs> he he's, seems better. He's noticeably better. Or his, his double seems better. I'm, yeah, I don't know what's happening. We can look this up. I'm sorry, Ralph Macchio. Yeah, we're sorry. We, we love you. We do. Um... <laughs> But it, I will say Daniel's not also just doing pure defense, right? He's oh yeah, he's getting kind of aggressive. And as I said, he has that moment with uh, with Johnny where like he like seems like he's seriously like injuring his arm and like he pulls. So he injures Johnny in the arm exactly the way Miguel went after Robbie's arm. Is that in right? Season one. Yeah, I think that's a. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, listeners. This will happen many times but i feel like that's exactly the kind of point they were trying to make mm-hmm. where he knows that johnny like you could see like his reaction he hit johnny in the arm and the way he hit him like it was it's a fake fight you're not even supposed to you're supposed to like tap them mm-hmm. yeah and it's that, a point you, you fight. score the it's point. a point fight yeah but he was like hitting the arm to injure him and then he went back and he did it again he mm-hmm. like hit him in the same spot and that's exactly what you know miguel that I like that. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I do think, like, if it's... There's the major theme of this show. Yeah, I'm getting there. I think has been just, like, anyone can be a bully. Anyone can be bullied. Like, you can't have this narrative that this is who I am. And, yeah, you definitely see that here. And, like, Johnny, as I said, calls him out on, you know, fighting dirty. And he is. It's actually kind of exciting to see Daniel do that. He's stepping out of his Daniel And it's zone. weird because it's... It's like doesn't invalidate anything that Johnny said. Where I still think, you know, nine times out of ten, he would beat Daniel in a fight. I just think, yeah, Daniel's never had to. Daniel coasted into the championships, won on a technicality, and when he's actually forced to fight again, he plays dirty. <laughs> that is indecent of Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and what's great is that everyone is witnessing this. Like, well. I mean, look, I'm just gonna, I just gotta play devil's advocate here because I agree in life, like, it just seems like Johnny is the better fighter. But the show, in, in the logic of the show, like, you cannot have that happen because it has to be, like, part of, like, it's in the DNA of the show. And the way that it works is that you can never have, like, a definitive proof that one of them is a better fighter than the other. So you do get this moment where, like, they sort of both improbably fall down at the same time, and nobody knows who scored the point. Ugh. Yeah, they even watch it again on Penis Brett's karate cam, and I don't know. Yeah, it's part of the kind of, like, show's conceit, where, like, no one will make an absolute... But, I mean, but Nina know. will. Nina will I make mean, that I'm statement. I mean, I'm sorry, but I think, like, the reason that Crease and Silver are so, like, unconcerned is just because, like, the only person that could do karate at Miyagi-Do is dead, and has been dead for a long Ooh. time. So, 
they're going to win. <laughs> they realize that. They don't need to play these like dirty tricks. That's kind of Silver's point, you know? That is Silver's like, point. Like, let Miyagi-Do dig their own grave. They don't have the technical chops. Eagle Fang does, but, I mean, if we let these, like, them fight it out, they may not be kind of... Mm-hmm. They really, like, they, they really plant a nice seed for that. Like, ah, this gets to... So, like, you know, at the end of their fight, when they're, like, still squabbling over the results, like, Hawk, warn- Hawk walks in, Mohawkless, looking just, like, traumatized. There's lots of ghasts all around, which, again, makes this, like, just the perfect scene of, like, teenage devastation. And, all right, all right, this kind of gets at the whole episode, maybe, like, what, why I'm kind of, like, iffy about some stuff. So, you know, Johnny's reaction is, like, well, we gotta, like, we gotta strike first and get them and show them they can't mess with us. I don't think that it is possible for one of these dojos to beat the others so badly that, like, the other doesn't come back with... Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that, where I felt like that end scene where um, Johnny is like, we, we need to, like, take action. And Daniel, I hate to say it, was saying, like, you know, they could go to jail, and it's like, yeah, those are all good points, but I, I feel like... As much are as... they, like... It is kind of a tough pill to swallow where you're like, they, I feel like this is, some charge should be rallying. You cut this dude's hair against his will and. No, I, I get it. I mean, oh God, maybe it is a good conflict because I was thinking this conflict is weird, but yeah, maybe it's had just... good points, you know, because it's like, I can't say that like, you're supposed to wait for the tournament to hash everything out, but on, on a real side, like all these interpersonal conflicts are right. not going to just stop until the tournament. Yeah, they're, they're going to like keep on coming until the tournament. How far away is the tournament at this point? I don't know. It didn't seem that far away. Yeah, like, like a if, month if, or two. If each season is like maybe four or five months, it's like half a school year or something. Mm-hmm. It's like a few months. Um, but I mean, I get it that karate is these, these kids' entire world. So sure. that could feel like an eternity. Like to have to like wait three months to end a dispute um i don't know but but anyway. that's the thing there's no ending the dispute that's true like johnny at the so like at the end of this fight johnny and daniel decide like they cannot come to an agreement marriage isn't working and he goes eagle fangs out and i noticed daniel really has just four students plus sam yeah and like one of them doesn't really have a name and is just like staring off after and him. i just thought that just right there like he took all your best fighters <laughs> Because they were his best friends. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, it's just Dimitri, Sam, and, like, Nameless Kid, and, and Daniel all standing in a line. And, yeah, Daniel's definitely, like, and he says some things, like, here that are pretty, they're, they're, they're pretty hurtful. And, like, he's definitely very rattled by the idea of Sam, in particular, like, standing up for Johnny. And, like, I yeah, like that, so actually. so controlling. Yeah, he, he likes it when Sam, I mean, Sam's obviously his favorite. What's it gonna be? Anthony? No Anthony in this episode, by the way. But, uh, like... He definitely is just, like, he loves Sam because he thinks Sam is, like, a little mini-me. And it's nice to, like, see him a little bit, like, who are you? I'm yearning for this, honestly. Like, the complete devastation. Maybe we can learn to love Daniel again once we see him humbled a bit. And we haven't really seen that, so... I mean, this is a good start. I I told you, like, last season, all I wanted to see was, like, a fallout between Daniel and Sam. And I feel like you get a bit of that here. It's nice. Yeah. And I mean, it makes sense also when they they had envisioned the show creators like this being uh, six seasons. So if we see like four and five delving into like Daniel's dark side and then season six where kind of something happens, I don't know. 
know. They all start like a commune together. And Mike Barnes comes along to ruin it all, of course. <laughs> Mike Barnes is the real villain. Where are you, buddy? I mean, I think if, if I can predict where Mike Barnes is today, he's probably wrapped up in some kind of multi-level marketing pyramid scheme, desperately, like, you know, trying to sell, like, ten, like, uh, Nutrisweet packages or whatever in order to, to ascend the ranks. Okay, I'm going to say my Mike Barnes prediction is that he uh, he is a top-level exec of Dynatox <laughs> that is running Dynatox in Silver's absence. No way. Yeah, he's, Man. The, he's the new kind of, like, honorary... No way. I don't think Mike Barnes has the business skills. Are you kidding me? He wants to have the business skills, but he doesn't. I will I will fight you. You'll fight me on this? I will die on the hill of Mike You're going to fight me on this? Skills. You want like a three-round championship match? Three points. <laughs> this one could be... This is our next Twitter poll. Does Mike Barnes have business skills? <laughs> I'm excited to find out what people think. Oh, God. Okay. Um, any stray observations? No. I think... Uh, I think that about encapsulates it. Oof, we got into it. Okay. Did. Um, your rating. Well, some good stuff mixed with some stuff that's just sort of perplexing makes it, uh, let's go with three out of five martinis with two olives as Daniel would drink them. Wow. A Daniel drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am getting it three out of five. Terry Silver's expensive scotch bottles for the table. Whew. Too rich for my blood, Nina, but okay. That's not... <laughs> um, okay, well, we've recently gotten some great listener emails, so thank you to everyone who's writing in. We, we love are, you. We, we are do. working on writing back, um, and you know, look out for our Mike Barnes poll on Twitter. It's going to get weird. Um, you can follow us at Kai underscore cast or write to us at Cobra Kai Never Dies. Diescast at gmail.com Closes out Letha As always listeners Strike first Strike hard No No mercy. mercy